listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Ready? Oh. All right, Jackie, part two. Here we go. Question. <laughs> As I was saying before, I was so gently paused as only katie can do so a couple years ago i had started looking at um the revisionist stories for american history um and there is one there's a queer history of the united states a disability history of the united states all of these things are fascinating to me because they're all happening at the same time when you learn history it, they make it seem so linear and then this happened and this happened when a lot of times all of this was going on at the same time but because it wasn't anyway is there any books that you know that can talk to the trans experience or for people who are interested because i when my child came out it was so hard I know I'm working on my own book for parents because there are things that should come from a parent and not necessarily a person of like, there's a piece that people want to say, but it's what I experienced. This is my truth of what experience as a parent, which may be, and I'm sure, you know, it'll be fun when I show Clay that book, probably not so much, but <laughs> is there something that for parents to look or others that are interested in that? community as well as the cheese spirit community that you recommend oh yeah i mean there are there's really a plethora of books now um there are some really great books that were one especially that was written by a parent of a trans child and that parent is now i believe sits on the board of hrc which is the human rights uh campaign um and i remember the kiddo's name penelope i can't remember mom's name though so i'm going into my account details on my audible because then i can <laughs> i can show you my i can tell you what some of those books are but i just recently got this book in the mail which would be a good thing for folks to buy if they want a quick easy read 20 it's uh like this one is uh you're in the wrong bathroom and 20 other myths of, of and misconceptions about transgender and gender nonconforming people. Mm. That's a good one. I haven't read it yet, but I'm certain it'll be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Thank you very much. Um, there is a queer and transgender resilience workbook, skills for navigating sexual orientation and gender expression. Um, so that's a good one if you're if you yourself are someone who is transgender or someone who is LGBT. QIA2S plus. Um, great book there. Trans Bodies, Trans Selves, a resource for the transgender community. There's a book uh, written for the transgender teen. There is Room for You, Tales from a Transgender Defender's Heart. So this is someone who um, has been out and trans for a very long time. Um, there's a couple of really great books by a woman, Helen Boyd, uh she's not the man i married my life with a transgender husband um that's actually a really phenomenal book especially for folks who are married to folks who come out as trans um once they're already married or maybe down you know five seven years down the road within a marriage 
Um, let's see here. There is the Decolonizing Two-Spirit. Uh, let's see here. What is that other book? Eli, I want a list of these so we can put it in our show notes <laughs> okay. for folks. I know folks are, I'm sure, listening and furiously scribbling as I see Jackie doing right now. So <laughs> Jackie knows I'm going to miss one. That's the yeah. truth, too. Oh, for sure. That's why no. I'm like, yeah, yeah. we want to make sure we get all of them, capture all of them. So if you can send Absolutely. I have a whole resource that I can send you because there's, uh, there is a number of really great documentaries that people can watch. And again, if you're somebody who loves to watch documentaries, watch a documentary. If you're somebody who wants to do an audiobook, like This Time for Me by Alexandria Billings, um, who is um, an actress and who has been on Roseanne, like played a recurring role, has played a recurring role on Roseanne. She is incredibly phenomenal and hilarious at the same time um you know somebody who's gender diverse and amazing is billy porter his book unprotected Ooh, had me crying um reclaiming two-spirit is a really great book uh that i have recommended to other two-spirit folks as a matter of fact i just had someone i recommended it to um about a month ago and they just responded back to me and were like oh my god you literally saved my life uh by re by referring me to read that book um let's see here where is that one uh oh, i'm gonna find it i'm gonna find it think of oh the bold world by jody patterson that she is a black woman large family uh very religious background uh when her son penelope and again i have i always love telling this story because <laughs> jody asked penelope do you want to change your name and penelope said why i'm named after one of my favorite people my grandma <laughs> and so he kept the name <laughs> and i'm just like that's beautiful like so beautiful to be able to have that like you know again i think about had i not had my culture and tradition stripped from me i may go by all pronouns he him she her they them today i go by he him they them so i'm okay if you he him me as a matter of fact that honors me the most just being honest they them is acceptable and also warms my heart she her or ma'am me and ooh, i'm on a especially if i'd known you for a while <laughs> right i'm not gonna be very happy um but yeah there's just i mean there's just a plethora of of beautiful things that are out there there's a couple of other links that i'll send you to shorter kind of mini documentaries that have been done there was one done last year uh because of all of the anti-trans legislation that had been coming about um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Kai Shapley. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. So Kai is this beautiful uh, young trans girl, came out at a very young age to mom who was uh, very right-wing conservative, evangelical, religious base. Like their story is truly one of the best, the most beautiful stories because mom said, <laughs> I literally need to do this to save my child's life mm -hmm. and left the religion. They just recently left Texas. Um, I want to say within the past year and a half, 
they packed up and literally left Texas because of all of the anti-trans legislation that was happening. And, you know, and there were folks who uh, were vilifying her daughter for speaking to the city council in their area in Texas where they were. Um, they were sending like she literally had to put her daughter in a timeout on all social media because of all of the hate messages that were coming through. Like adults sending these horrible messages to her daughter, which I'll just never understand that. I'll just no. never understand that. But it's happening. And not only is it happening, but it's happening in schools. That and, and, and they make it okay like, because they're not doing anything about it. And that's the frustrating. It's not, it's like, it, it's, it's bigger than saying frustrating. Frustrating is not the word. I can't find the adequate word, but it is, it's terrible. And we started looking at, of course, we know about like the fundamental, you know, Christianity, but just the toxic piece, like it doesn't, it might not be one of those charismatic mega churches just the way that things have progressed as we move forward and the thought of a child who was raised there being terrified to even say any, like we have to have these resources and that's what's so important about the work that you do the work that katie does the work that i do we we want people to recognize that these are people it's real easy to not expose you. We want to expose people to as many people of normalizing differences instead of normalizing all same so that you can open your heart more to people that are different than you. Yeah. And just like, because you can't be your best self when you're still worried about that. I mean, Katie knows the company that I work for offers reload for anyone who wants to leave Texas, for anyone who wants to leave a state because of the legislation, our company will pay to reload. I'm in Texas myself. Um, wow. And because, or support care, and it, and it because of what you're saying. Um, and, and, but we also, I'm in a position where it's like I can stay and fight, but if I had to leave, I absolutely would. I absolutely do not discredit anyone for leaving because no. people just want to go to school and just have a job and take care of their family and walk their dog in the sludge without yeah. feeling a fear for their life. Right. And, you know, when you think about this, so um, last year, the Lincoln City Council had been working on an ordinance and they were basically just updating the non-discrimination policy to include gender identity, gender expression. Mm -hmm. Well, there was the, all this backlash and all of this, like, you know, the community coming forward and saying, oh my God, this cannot be happening. There was a trans man, uh, early to mid twenties, who had come and testified. And when they rescinded the changes that they made because of the backlash from the other, the, the, opponents of these things happening um he died by suicide he was so disappointed already like you know here's another thing that i think people need to understand i personally 
don't need therapy, but I go to therapy because I know that my head, just like my heart, is an organ in my body that needs help. Mm -hmm. I got to process through some of the things that I think about. I need to bounce it off of some other wall. And it's like, I can't just like expect my friends to offer that kind of space for me all the time because we're all in it. Like we are all up in it. And so I go to therapy and I've told my therapist one time, I was like, you know, who needs therapy is all the people who think that I'm the one who needs therapy. Like this is not a mental illness mm -hmm. being who I am. But then I, so what did I do? I'm the guy who does the research. So then I started researching in the DSM-5, guess when being gay or lesbian was taken out of the DSM-5 under the category of mental illness? Just take a, yeah, take a guess. 1983. Guess again. I have to say, it had to be like, really? It was in Wait. the 70s. Shut it. It was like 1977. I can get the exact date, but somewhere around 77, right? Guess when being transgender was reclassified, moving it out of being classified as mental illness. I was going to say, it, it I was going to say after 1990, right? And so here's what I think is really important to note. When I came out to my parents, as being something other than the girl that they thought I was when I was around six or seven, like 1970 something, my parents literally could have committed me. Mm -hmm. They literally could have committed me. And here's the thing. I and that would have been reinforced thought, by the Catholic Church. Exactly. To be clear. Yeah. Sorry. And here's here's what I think is so beautiful. Like, I don't know and I can't ask my parents now because my father died in like 2001, 2002. He had lymphoma. And um, unfortunately, COVID took my mom. She was living in a memory care unit uh, here in Omaha. And uh, and yeah, so COVID took my mom. But when I came out as trans, remember the tender age of 50 in 2015, my mom was living in an assisted living facility. Now we knew she had dementia, but she's, she remembered more, like she could talk more about different things. And, you know, I couldn't really ask her what she had for lunch because even if it was sitting in front of her, she couldn't really always connect the word lunch. Like, you know, I'd go to do her laundry once a week and I'd walk in and she and her BFF Shirley would be sitting there watching TV and they're like, oh hey hey you're here and my mom's like oh look my my kiddo is here and be all excited and then they'd be like okay we got to go check on shirley's cat which was like down the hall and around the corner it's like all right i'm just going to be doing your laundry and so i'd go do a load and i'd come back and i'd be folding her clothes and then they'd come back 15 20 minutes later and they'd be like oh when did you get here <laughs> and i'd be like Yep, just got go doing yeah. your laundry, <laughs> doing your laundry, mom. Anyway, so <laughs> for giggles and kicks, right? So I really started to connect with what transgender meant to me after watching uh, an interview with someone who I don't like to talk about because she's a horrible example of a trans person and should have never been given a platform. I'm sure you can all figure out who I'm talking about. But anyway, you can. <laughs> I watched this interview. 
And the next day, I went to go see my mom. And I'm sitting there with her and Shirley. And I said to mom, hey, mom, did you see that interview last night? Now, remember, my mom couldn't tell you what she had for lunch, even if it was sitting in front of her, right? But I thought, just for giggles and kicks, let's see what happens. Now, in that interview, that person instructed Diane Sawyer that it was okay to use a dead name, which is a name that the person is assigned at birth, and also use male pronouns. Well, this, this threw the trans community up in arms because they were mad at Diane Sawyer. They're like, why is she doing this? And it was like, had you watched the interview from the beginning, you would have known that this particular trans person who is so disconnected with the community actually like this person, if they were being smart and understanding the impact that this would have on the entire community, they would have waited to do the interview, but they didn't. No, they would not have and, because they did not care at all. It was I know they wouldn't have. Platform. But what I'm that saying, but what I'm saying though, <laughs> is if they understood the impact, they would have waited. I know they wouldn't because of who they are. But anyway, would have hoped. the next yeah. day, talking to mom, I'm like, did you watch that interview last night? Kid you not, like I was stunned. She goes, oh my gosh, yes. My favorite part was when she pulled her ponytail holder out of her hair and it fell down on her shoulders. Oh, she is so beautiful. And I'm just like, <laughs> getting the pronouns right even. And then she gets oh. all serious and she leans in and she says, well, what did you think? And I said, of what? The interview? And she goes, no, of your growing up. Like all of a sudden, lucid mom is in the house, which by the way, this is mom back here. Oh, yay. That's mom. <laughs> um, <laughs> lucid mom in the house. And I said to her, I go, well, mom, if I'm being honest, I believe that I am a boy born in a girl's body. And she says, oh, I know it ever since you were this big. And she motions to the floor at about like a six-year-old's height. You told me you were a boy. And in that moment, like talk about the biggest gift. Like all of these things that I thought were made up, memories, mm -hmm. bam, they became reality. And I don't think my mom ever would have been able to understand what she, the gift she gave me, even as she was oh. losing pieces of herself. And I said to her, I go, wow. I'm like, well, mom, why didn't you tell me? <laughs> and she's like, she goes, oh, she goes, you know what? I'm going to call you Charlie. <laughs> and I'm like, well, I haven't picked a name yet. I'll be sure to let you know. Okay. You. <laughs> Not sure if I it's going to be Charlie. I don't think uh... it's going to be Charlie, mom. <laughs> but, but here's the thing, though. Do you also, because again, I told you, I researched this stuff. Ultrasound technology was not made uh, widely used in the U.S. until the late 70s, early 80s. Mm -hmm. So when I was born, like all four of my mother's children, she would not have been able to know until the baby came out what she had. And even then, you know, when I came out and the doctor smacked my hind in and declared, made the declaration, what they didn't know is that I wasn't crying because he spanked me. <laughs> I was crying because Dr. Doolittle got it wrong. And I'm not kidding you when I say Dr. Doolittle. That's the doctor. Your doctor was Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I say, 
I am not an animal. <laughs> right. But here's the other thing that I think is truly extraordinary. My mother continued to lose her mental faculties, but not once after that, when I came out and I told her what my name was, even when she couldn't remember that I was her own kid, she's always, until the day she died, saw me as a man. That is absolutely I mean, amazing. When I have people with their full mental faculties can't get it, I always share that story with them because it's like, how did she get it? Mm -hmm. How is it that she would get it? She would see me coming down the hallway and she would tell everyone in the room, my son is here. My son is here. I could hear her screaming it to these people in their little uh, area where they ate dinner and lunch. And uh, there was one night we were watching. She loved watching award shows and music shows. Like one of the reasons why I love music is because we used to watch the Grammys and all these shows ever since we were little. And I'm sitting there watching the Grammys with my mom and she looks over at me and she says, I think you should spend the night. It's kind of like this wink, wink type thing. And I'm like, uh, if I'm spending the night, I'm sleeping in this chair. And she says, well, why would you do that? And I'm like, because I'm your kid. And she's like, I don't have any of those. And I'm like, who do you think I am? And she points to a picture on her dresser of her and my dad when they were like really young. Like my dad was 20. She might have been 18. And she says, you're that guy. Welcome change agents to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission, that through these stories, we might just spark change within you and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts. <laughs> and I said, adorable. <laughs> I said, well, I'm not that guy, but I come from you and that guy. And then all of a sudden it clicked. She's like, oh, yeah, you're sleeping in the chair. <laughs> That's that awesome. is funny. So, so was yeah. your mom was your mom two spirited as well? No, my mother was native, um, but not two spirit. Because uh, again, within our within our, uh, well, you know, actually, now that I say that, in in the way that my tribe sees it, you know, there was one point. So I had this friend of mine who was very handsome. Right, she was a very handsome woman and always dressed like nice tailored suits like the whole nine and my mom one day i bring this friend over and my mom says to me you know i'm not gay but if i ever was i'd date someone like that person <laughs> <laughs> and i was like okay 
Who knows? Maybe at another point in time in my mom's life, she might have been bisexual. I don't know. She might have been two spirit. Who knows? I'm I'm more thinking of just the like the knowledge and the awareness that she had, even in like, you know, in a diminished capacity, as you're saying, like that she still was very aware of well those pieces. And you know, I'll tell you one thing. So my mother. She may not have been two spirit in that sense, but she was indigenous, uh, spiritually speaking, because from a very young age, she always told us that no matter what, we deserved to be respected for who we are fully. Mm-hmm. She never told us to hide who we were as Native American. Now, granted, there were a lot of things that I know I experienced in grade school because I was very openly Native American. And, and also, even if I wasn't openly Native American, like I know I don't look it now, but put me out in the sun for the summer and I'm a good five, six shades darker by the end of the summer. And that's, as a kid, I'm out in the sun all the time, right? And then you throw a white shirt on me because that's the Catholic grade school I went to. You throw a white shirt on me and then I really stand out compared to my peers. And so, you know, my mom always used to say to us that we we were no different than anyone else. She taught us from a very young age that if we didn't, um, like everyone deserved dignity and respect, no matter their race, no matter the color of their skin, no matter what they believed in. Like she ingrained that within us. And I think it had a lot to do with the fact that my dad's mother, my grandma Sophie, I mean, may she rest in peace, but she didn't necessarily get it. And she was kind of mean to my mom because my mom was Native American. And there were certain things that she said in her uneducated mind. And granted, you know, I didn't find this out until many years later. And it was, I was, I want to say I was maybe around 13 or 14. And I finally was like, you know, every year grandma gives us these cards at Christmas. And it was a special thing. She would write each of us our own card. And then she would put, you know, like, from from when we were young until we got to a certain age, there was a dollar, mm-hmm. and then there was five dollars, and then there was a ten dollar bill, and that was the highest it got. But I remember asking my mom very specifically why grandma's writing was the way that it was, because her E's looked like threes, right? Certain letters were backwards, and there were certain things that were misspelled. And my mom said, well, your grandmother was pulled out of school in third grade to work on the farm. And I was like, what an interesting, like, so then as I fast forward in my life and learn more and experience more about my grandmother, mm-hmm. it all these things start to snap into focus because she didn't have access to an education. Mm-hmm. She worked in a uh, uh, factory. She worked in Skinner Macaroni Company, which w- used to be a big factory here in Omaha. And I actually got my mom a job working there. And my mom worked there for almost three decades before she went back to school. And then come to find out my mother was actually brilliant. Um, she went back to school at a tech 
college and got a degree as a surgical technician of all things. And a surgical technician has to know everything a doctor knows. Mm -hmm. And so like the, the education is pretty hard. And here my mom aced all of her classes. And I said to her, I said, mom, if I ever hear you call yourself stupid again, I'm going to remind you, but it was ingrained, right? And it's like the same thing with my grandma Sophie. Like when I came out as as being a member of this initialism, right, to my parents, and they were like, "Oh, got to keep this under wraps." And I said no, and I told my grandma, and my grandma said, "I don't even understand what that is, and we just don't need to talk about it." So thanks for sharing. Now here, fast forward all these years later, and her daughter, her oldest daughter, who is my dad's sister. When I came out as trans, I forgot that Aunt Betty was on my Facebook page, right? She had been on my page as a friend for a very long time. And as a matter of fact, my Aunt Betty and I shared a birthday. We were both born on June 25th, only, you know, decades apart. Mm -hmm. She always used to claim that I stole her birthday. <laughs> right? At one point, I told her she could have it back. She's like, nope, no give backs. You got to keep it. I've been 27 all these years. Anyway, I come out as trans. I do my big public, you know, announcement on Facebook. I even did a little video that you can go find on my page. I also did a video that talks a little bit about my relationship with my aunt. But anyway, I come out as trans and my, my aunt shows up in my DMs. <laughs> she says, hey, Eli, it's your aunt here. I'm like, yeah. She goes, <laughs> she goes, I saw your announcement and you know, I lived in Vegas for many years. And I said, yeah, I know. And she said, and I knew very, I knew many trans people, transgender people is what she said. And I just want you to know that I honor you and I love you. <laughs> she was 80. <laughs> she said, wow, you look just like your dad. You, wow, so much of your dad. And I miss him so much. So just know that I love you and I'm in your corner. And I don't care what anybody else says. You are a good person. And till the day she died, she unfortunately died this past year. Mm. She did. She would send me messages and she would keep up on things that I was doing and thank me for things that I wrote and just, you know, really just made such a huge difference to me. So it's like, you know, generationally speaking, is it is it something where people don't quite understand? I don't think so. I don't think it's I don't think so. I don't think so either. I think very similar story. My mother-in-law, my grandmother-in-law, when there was some my, you know, when me and my husband got together, she came up to me and she was like, did they give you a hard time? And I said, yeah, it's been pretty hard. And it's like, oh yeah, those Clayton's, they gave me a hard time too. <laughs> you know, even though she was just a white woman, they're like, yeah, those Clayton's. And I'm like, am right? <laughs> um, but I think that that we don't, they're, we don't give people enough credit for their capacity. And the people, the lawmakers don't give people enough capacity that they take rights away based on their limitedness. It yes. is, and it's so, and that's why the history is so important. The, the, 
I remember um, as you're talking and I, and I remember, you know, there's a Stonewall documentary. There's a Stonewall documentary when they're talking about um, rights and they were in the middle of like Central Park and the trans community and people were booing on the stage. I was horrified when you were like, Look, this whole change wouldn't have happened if it wasn't for a member of the trans community. The whole thing. Mm-hmm. And yet, that's what we, I mean, that was a lesson that it took me, unfortunately, too long in my career to figure out that you have to continue going because it, if you leave it up to someone else, they'll go as far as they go. And then they're, they're done now that my rights have been met. And so that's why there has to be champions for everyone and someone who can be there to speak for those that might be feel alone in that moment it's just the sad i don't know if you've seen it it's just the saddest part of the whole documentary yeah Yeah. i mean i so right after i came out as trans um because there was still this debate around stonewall and who threw the first break who was really there and blah 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 blah, and you know and I would say to people, like, you have to watch this documentary on Marsha P. Johnson. Yes. And Sylvia Rivera. And then at one point, this video surfaced of Sylvia Rivera at a pride event. Yes, that's the one. Patiently waiting to get up on stage. And then was booed. That's the one. And fast forward to an Obama luncheon of LGBTQ plus folks. And there was a uh, Latinx woman, trans woman, who stood up and shouted in at this lunch, what are you doing for black, brown and indigenous people who are incarcerated, who are also transgender and people in the room booed her. Mm -hmm. And I said, look at that. Look at how much has not changed because you all don't understand the impacts on people who are multi-marginalized. And why is it this way? Because look, when I came out as trans in 2015, in expedited time, I was on a written warning at my work and they were trying to push me out the door as the angry trans man, right? And they they were saying, I mean, just some, the things that happened to me, I don't wish upon my worst enemy and that ought to tell you something now i don't have a whole lot of enemies but (laughs) at least not that i know (laughs) but the ones that i do know i wouldn't wish this on them right well in that time when all of that was happening i had applied to so many different jobs because i was like you know i mean people were saying stuff to me like well if it's that hard why don't you just leave so then i even tried that right i applied to 50 different places in one year Guess how many job, how many callbacks or how many interviews I got? How many job offers I got? You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. 
Together, we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's where the goose egg mm. Not one out of those three. But what are the odds? And guess what, though? So I'm out and I've, I've done all my name change and everything. Like, like I said, I was, I was expedited, right? So in, by January of 2016, all of my identity documents had my new name, had my gender marker as male. Everything had been changed. But going and applying to new jobs... I had to call all of my previous employers that anybody would have contacted to verify, just to verify employment. And I had uh, the biggest company, they called me right back. They were amazing. This was the local phone company here, used to be Quest Communications, now it's CenturyLink. Um, they, their HR person called me back specifically. Hey, we got your, your message about needing this change. Let's get some more detail around this. Da, da, da. We want to confirm that everything's right. Made the change. Boom. No problem. I worked for a small ad agent here, ad, ad agency here run by a lesbian couple, mind you, to this day, to this very day. I actually messaged them in 2016. But to this very day, I have never gotten a response from them to verify that if anybody ever called to verify employment looking for Eli Rigatuso, that they would say yes, that they wouldn't give a stink about it, that it would be confirmed, boom. I can't even trust that those women, because I found out later, they even lied about the nature of my departure from the agency. I left. I gave a two weeks notice. I thought all was good. They have lied to people since that I was a horrible employee, that I did this, that, and the other, that they had to let me go because of it, blah, blah, blah. And you know what? I know that. I knew that without knowing that until one day I ran into one of them and she happened to have had one too many cocktails mm. and disclosed, self-disclosed that she had done that. And I was like, damn, of all the times that I'm not recording a conversation on my phone. Yeah. Because <laughs> I could have sued their asses. But oh, also, sorry. why? No, it's like, right. why? Why would they do that? That's like, I right. do not, like, what is your point? Like, what exactly are you getting from this that's in any way positive for anyone? Like, in you're the literally bottom, just being a, yeah. a mean, ang like, horrible human. Yes. What is the point? And the bottom line is, is they didn't pay me well. I wasn't even making $25,000 a year working there. And that was in, that was in, uh, gosh. 2014, 2013. Dude. And my knowledge and experience, like that was the other thing that I had to work through for myself because I've always been at the fringes of these different, you know, intersecting identities. And so I have been hired in at a rate lower than other people, like the job I'm working at right now. I mean, I came in as person assigned female at birth. Well, and I got a wage equal to that, right? Because a guy getting the same job, being offered the same job, same qualifications, was making $10,000 more. 
So it's like, I have all these different intersections of identities. Like most people don't even think about that. Yeah, you're having a hard time at a job, quit and get a new one or get a new one and then quit. No, and it doesn't, it's just not that easy. It, no. It doesn't work that way, yeah. Nope. It doesn't work that way. And you know, granted, if it does, great, it doesn't. So you have to look at all these various plans and that's why it's so important. Like, I don't, for companies to get it right. When you are supportive of people, like don't be patronizing, make sure you're getting your messaging right. It's so important to allow, like we strive so hard to make things safe. We want people to know. And so I know even my team gets frustrated because I'm like, where are you posting? And where are you putting on these things? Like we need people to know that there is a safe space. And, you know, the stories where, it's like people need to know where they can go. Like, it's almost like you need an underground railroad that is like just says these places are safe or these places will take care of you or these people have the capacity to do so because there are a lot of people that say that they will. Yeah. And there's a lot of people that, you know, change their freaking logo on, you know, in June. That doesn't mean that they're ready and willing to treat people equitably. Yeah. And, you know, here's the other thing that I think people need to, to really understand. It's one thing to, to provide the training to elevate knowledge and awareness about your staff. But it's the other thing that when the, when the uh, brass, you know, when, the, when we hit the road mm -hmm. and people are coming to you and saying, this is happening that you believe them and that you do something about it. Like I've had uh, young people come to me and say, hey, like I work at this company and they've done all this training, but they're still doing X, Y, Z. And I will be like, well, of course they are. Cause they'll tell me, well, we've done that training already. We don't need to do it. Yeah, you need to do it and redo it and do it over again. Well, and you have to hold people accountable. I yes. don't believe in doing training and they, you know, you just have to hold people accountable. Well, I think that you do want to do the training in well, order yes. to avert someone saying, well, you never taught me that. So how should I know? Listen, and then that is like, absolutely okay. right. We, yep. we, you know, I'm proud of the work that I did, but I'm trying to share with other people. What we do is wow. we make the systemic change that is supported by the training. Yeah. It is no, it's not just the training. It is. This is going to get you fired. Yes. Here are the resources for training. It's not just, oh, I got the training. Yeah. And you don't change the system. Right. And, and, and how do you know when it's time to change the system? If it's the same system that you've seen your whole life that everybody does, it's broken. Yep. I don't, you don't even, you know, and here's my fee, right? I just yeah. gave them, I need a thousand bucks for everyone who heard that because yeah. that's like the whole consulting fee. Oh, right? geez. I'll tell you what, anybody who's watching this owes me a yeah. whole bunch of money Boom. for the well, knowledge you can, that right? I What's your Venmo, brought? Eli? Give them give yes. your Venmo. I will send my Venmo. Actually, it's Eli. It's, it's at Eli hyphen Rigatuso. See? <laughs> Done. Done. I'm cash a or Venmo, cash app. That's right. Both of you. Okay. I need to settle down. <laughs> settle, settle. That's yes. right. 
<laughs> okay. So I would love for both of you to share what is your one thing? What is your, or one or two things? What are the things you want to make sure folks heard during our two-part episode? You want to go, go first? Yep. <laughs> go. <laughs> All right. Jackie wants to go first. No, no, no. You go right ahead. <laughs> You know, I think first of all, I, if if they, if anything was heard that I had to say um, that resonated and landed, um, I would want people to understand how truly detrimental it is right now to vote against this these this legislation that's being proposed across the U.S. To contact your local legislatures and say contact every single senator. Honestly, if you draft a quick two, three line statement, you can just email each one of them individually and say, look, I'm not your constituent, but I live in this state and this is wrong and you need to oppose it, period. You know, I know that within Nebraska, you can actually go to the website, you click on the bill that you want to write a statement for, you click submit, It'll you fill out this quick little form and click say send and you have to make sure that you click that you want it to be part of the record. And then that will go towards the counts that they take it, to go towards the record. So I want people to understand that it is detrimental to transgender, non-binary and gender diverse two-spirit folks lives that you become aware. The other thing that I want that I hope that people got out of this is that you want to invite me to come do training at your place or to do a one hour talk because I am I can do that with my eyes closed, but I will have them open while I'm talking because <laughs> it would just look creepy if I didn't. <laughs> that I'd be more than happy. Just go to speaking of happy or you can email me Eli Rigatuso at gmail.com and I will send all my contact information. But I love doing this kind of training because here's the thing. If I want you to create open and affirming spaces for people like me, I need to create an open and affirming space for you to step into. So I'll be modeling that for you. I'm not here to make fun of anyone. I'm not here to, to tear anyone down in order to try to build them up around what I want them to know. I am just here to show you that it is truly possible for all of us to be seen, heard, honored and affirmed awesome thank you jackie i think i love the fact of getting this training i think it's really really important to be able to do that i also i know that it was mentioned uh, briefly but of utilizing the human rights um campaign in hrc of looking at um the things that they have there because they have a lot about advancing pro-equality policy and litigation that's really important to educate yourself with and as we look understanding that when we talk about um being equitable don't guess talk to the people and eli just shared the aclu national does too mm -hmm. i'm biased about hrc because you know they you know why every they kept i'm on the text list and they'd be like, do you want this cup? And I'm like, oh, that's a cute cup. And then they're like, do you want this shirt? I'll be like, oh, that's a cute shirt. I looked ridiculous. I just went on vacation and every that was just the pile that was clean. It was like, I looked like 
I worked for HRC this weekend because <laughs> um, that was on the pile. But I just think that it's important. Just get do your research. Don't guess. Make sure you're going to the source and educate yourself. Yeah, that's what I'm gonna say. That those 33 things. What about you, Katie? Okay. Um, so I'm gonna mention two things. I actually took notes because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget. Uh, the first one is, you know, what we have talked about today and or, you know, in these two episodes that we recorded today, the piece that comes to mind is when we talk about some of this legislation, when we talk about this work to oppose different groups who are marginalized, the key that I always see is that there's this dehumanizing of people, those whatevers, though, you know, that group. And I think the more we can humanize and, you know, Eli, you mentioned the storytelling, like how critical that actually is, because I think once you start telling the stories, then people start to add it up. And I think that, you know, talking about children and education of children around, you know, sexual orientation and identity, like there's so much lacking there in schools and we know the parents aren't doing it. And they're reaching out to folks like you reaching out to other friends of ours and having some of these resources that weren't there before whether it's hrc or you know your local like i have a local group in phoenix one community that does amazing work and having those resources is so critical to help parents help adults uh you know you're mentioning you know transitioning at the age that you did like that took a lot of courage but it also the build up to that for the 47 years to then make that decision like wow like that is a huge change in and who you've presented to you know your family your friends all these things and how that must have impacted you and then that was only one i know it sounded like 17. the second one is <laughs> if anyone can listen to the story that you just shared and the different pieces of who you are and not understand why gender affirming care this legislation that's trying to get passed that's just destroying lives and the life and death impact of these different pieces um you aren't listening and and that's all i'll say on matter um eli <laughs> you have been an amazing guest thank you so very very much for joining us today um thank you so much for having me here and as you okay. notice I started to get darker because the sun yeah. is setting. Yes. <laughs> I yeah. And I forgot to turn my ring light on. Yes. But I'm really grateful. I'm I'm grateful that I got connected to you all and that you had me on your show. And honestly, I mean, I know a plethora of other folks who are doing this type of training around folks who are like me. And if I'm not your cup of tea, find someone who is. I'm yes. I'm fine. Let's spread the knowledge and the wealth. Let's make sure that we're all being compensated for the valuable things that we bring to the table and that we can all thrive and live lives that we love. Like that's the key. So I'm I'm honored and grateful uh, that you all invited me to be on your show and and just thank you so much. Thank you. Thank uh, you. This is Katie Van Horn. This is Jackie Clayton. Uh, bye. bye.
The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.